Well, good morning. We are uh, continuing our uh, summer series on uh, the wisdom books, uh, and this morning, uh, concluding our look at wisdom in the Proverbs. Uh, so with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, uh, be with us now, be present with us uh, in power as we hear your word. We thank you that it is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So would you speak to us now from it? May my words be your words, uh, and may you edit out uh, any error that I might bring uh, to your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So think back to uh, childhood and maybe on the playground or you know, some place that you enjoyed being as a child. And maybe you said this to someone once uh, or heard it said uh, from someone else to another, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will, what, never hurt me. I don't know where that actually came from, uh, but I, I guess the intent of it is to say, really physically is the only way that we can injure each other. Uh, and words, you know, they're just that. They're words. They might sting for a second or two, but after that, it's just water off of a duck's back. They can't really do any lasting damage. Uh, but is that even remotely true? Uh, think of an athlete or a celebrity who says something like, well, I don't care what people say about me. Uh, the critics can criticize all they want, but at the end of the day, I really just don't care. Uh, I always hear that and respond a little bit cynically uh, to those words as well. Uh, we think of the effect of, of bullying on, on a young person and how much destruction can be wrought uh, when there are harsh words spoken time and time again. It is also believed that the horrors and atrocities of the Nazi Holocaust had their origin in the classroom. As a young Adolf Hitler sat there listening to the philosophy of the likes of Friedrich Nietzsche and was impacted by that and ultimately sought to build a super nation, a super race, which led to the slaughter of millions and millions of people, mere words planted in a brain. There's no easy segue from that, uh, but think of the opposite end of the spectrum, how a kind compliment can just truly lift our spirits. You look lovely today. What a delicious meal. Or walking up to each other and, and thanking one another for the gifts uh, that we use to build up the church. Uh, saying, thank you, Sean, Rachel, Sarah, Dennis, and Josh for uh, using your gifts. What a beautiful way uh, to worship. Thank you. You have blessed me by using your gifts. The fact is our words carry tremendous weight. Proverbs 18.21 says it best. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So first point this morning, which serves as a kind of framework when thinking about our tongues and, and the words that we use, and that is that God speaks. At creation, God spoke and created all things from nothing according to Genesis, from the sheer power of his word. Think of that. Quite amazing. And after creating man, God gave Adam and Eve the ability to speak with him and with each other. Speech is a gift from God above. God revealed himself to be a personal God in addition to being a powerful God. Throughout history, God has spoken in various ways. He has spoken through dreams, through visions, through different kind of cataclysmic events, through prophets, 
We can trace all that as we look at the history in the Old Testament. And in all these ways, God has revealed to man who he is, that we can know him, and that we can have a personal relationship with him, though he is spirit. Ultimately, as written in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, God has revealed himself in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, who took on flesh, who dwelt among us, speaking to us about who God the Father is and how we can have a relationship with him. Something that is so fundamental about who we are as humans is that God has created us in his image. Think about that. We are like God in some ways, including the fact that we communicate. Uh, think about language, you know, for a second. Uh, it's something that we learn, right? I mean, the very first moment that we spoke our first words, what, data, mama, I, I guess for some of the, uh, the big ones, uh, we, we learn language as we grow up, certainly, uh, but it is wired into our biological makeup in ways that other things that we learn are not. We reflect God, therefore what we do and say matters. Our actions, our words, and thoughts are never in a vacuum because we are relational beings, first and foremost to God and then to each other. Proverbs 15.3 says this, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Those are pretty uh, sobering words, are they not? There's nothing that is hidden from God whatsoever. Uh, but there's also a, a, a sense of comfort in those words as well, the comprehensive knowledge and sight of God. Which leads us to our second point, and, and that is how should we use our tongues? You know, when we consider this gift of speech, how should we use our words? Well, we should strive to speak knowledge. Proverbs 15.2 says this, The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. And in, in that same chapter, verse 7, The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the heart of fools. This knowledge is what is contained in Scripture, the words that God has revealed to us the things that he has said about him and also about us. This is the kind of knowledge that we are to, to know and to spread. We should also give soft or gentle answers that drive away anger and lead to life. Hear the words of Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And then Proverbs 15.4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life but perverseness in it breaks the spirit, or a deceitful tongue breaks the spirit. Now we have to stop here and define these words soft and gentle. Uh, these words do not mean weak. They don't mean passive. Uh, they don't even mean holding back the truth or compromising it. A couple weeks ago, Patrick preached on the nature of true friendship and said that one aspect of that is that sometimes we speak honest and hard words to those close to us. They may be difficult to hear at first, but in the end, they go towards the shaping of our character in a godly way. It also means speaking to others in a loving way, in a way of conciliation, in a way that looks to build others up and restore them. These words also have the meaning of healing. 
The tree of life comes to mind in Genesis and also Revelation 22. The tree of life is synonymous with healing. It means lasting life, and lasting life is rooted in a right relationship with God. There is even a sense of therapy when it comes to these soft and gentle words that we would speak. Uh, now, you may not be a, a therapist or a counselor by trade, but in a way, we're all, we're all therapists when it comes to using our words. Listen to Proverbs sixteen twenty four: Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. It revives our souls, but it also affects our physical well-being. I mean, it's just an amazing thing about the way that God has created us and how connected we are, that kind words affect us physically. There's also an aspect of calmness when it comes to using these soft and gentle words. It's having a spirit that seeks not to argue, not to be contentious, not to prolong the fight, but rather to end it, to bring an end to anger. Letting the dust settle looking to put the fire out. Sometimes we hear the expression, uh, let cooler heads prevail. Uh, I don't know for sure, but maybe that had its origin in some of these Proverbs. Ambrose Bierce writes this, speak when you're angry and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. I think we can all identify uh, with that. We should also exercise patience. Now, there are certain situations which require a certain kind of urgency to respond uh, with wisdom in a very timely way. Uh, But I think in in most cases, there is time that we can have to to spend on it, uh, imparting wisdom to a, a hurting friend or a family member or to someone who just doesn't know what to do in a particular situation. Uh, we all want to be those, those sages that just right away dispense words of wisdom. Uh, but sometimes the best course of action is to tell the person, let me think on it, let me chew on it, let me pray about it. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight instructs us, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. There's also uh, our own reputation that's, that's on the line when it comes to dispensing wisdom. Proverbs 18.13 tells us, if one gives an answer before he hears, it, it, it is his folly and shame. It's okay to say, let me take some time here. Let me pray to God before I get back to you, before I answer you. And this leads us to the third point this morning. And that is we fall desperately short of God's standard with using our tongues. How many times have we said, I cannot believe I just said that? Uh, This brought to mind uh, when I was working at my previous company, and it was a a service company, and we, you know, scheduled appointments for customers, and, uh, you know, one day I was back at the schedule board where we had everything that was to be scheduled, and we had the magnetic tags that we would place on the board, and I was back there with a coworker, and uh, she had just made an appointment, and she was writing up a tag to place on the board, and I noticed um, you know, that she was spelling out the town where the appointment was. Uh, it was in Cockeysville, which is just about 15 minutes uh, north of here, uh, but she had butchered the spelling of, of Cockeysville, um, and I noticed this, and I, and I started to, to make fun of her for it, and after a few seconds, 
you know, she, she came back rather sarcastically, but very convictingly. She said, you know, just, I enjoy it so much when you make fun of my dyslexia. Um, so right away, I'm thinking to myself, well, I didn't know she had dyslexia, right? And I'm, but I'm trying to justify, you know, my words and, you know, how I spoke to her. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, did it matter that I didn't know that fact? Uh, did I choose to use my words in that moment in a way to build her up, to encourage her rather than to bring her down? The answer is no. Well, yeah, we say dumb things. You know, we speak in, in ways that uh, are not uplifting. And we, wow, I'm such a terrible person. Uh, let me assure you, you are much worse than you think you are. <laughs> Stay with me for a few minutes on that. In the New Testament, James uses some pretty graphic language when he speaks of the tongue in James 3. James uses the analogy of putting a small bit into the the mouth of a horse to control this very powerful creature. He also uses the analogy of the rudder on a ship, how this rather small part guides a great ship either to the left or to the right. Likewise, our tongues, those small in relation to the rest of our bodies, are capable of great things, James says. James calls the tongue a fire, able to set a whole forest ablaze. It stains the body. It is set on fire by hell. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Yikes. <laughs> he does not mince words when it comes to describing our tongues. And then he adds that no one can tame the tongue. We can tame wild beasts, but we cannot tame our own tongues. Though we must, God commands us to do it. Furthermore, with the same tongue, we can praise God and the very next minute turn around and curse a brother or a sister that's made in the image of God. Well, perhaps there's no sin that entices us as quickly and and makes us perk up than the sin of gossip, right? We're having lunch with friends, we're on the golf course, we're at the gym, we're at work, wherever we are, and someone says, can you believe what so-and-so did or said? There's a word that's used for gossiper in the Old Testament sometimes, and it's the word talebearer. And most scholars think that talebearer is a translation of a Hebrew word to go about. And that likely is derived from a word meaning merchant. So we think of a, a gossiper as a, a kind of merchant or a peddler, you know, walking around seeking to, you know, grab customers and spread some juicy gossip. Whether we enter in to gossip, participating in the conversation, or just are mere bystanders, we are committing the sin of gossip. By just listening in and soaking up those juicy tidbits, we fail to defend the person or persons being spoken of in secret, being slandered. And we help in possibly doing further damage to the person or persons and situation. Frankly, we get enjoyment out of gossip, do we not? Whether it's directly or indirectly. Proverbs 18.8 says this, The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. I heard a professor uh, one time, he was talking about, about sin, and I'll just never forget the words that he used to describe sin. He says, we sin because we like it. 
Like that was always just so powerful to me. We sin because we like it. R.N. Wybray says this, there is a flaw in human nature that assures slander will be listened to. Isn't that so true? Gossip in part also causes us to compare ourselves with others as we feel better instantly about our moral standing or our position in life. And we end up saying things like, at least I don't do that. Pride consumes us at that time. Gossip can destroy friendships. Proverbs 18.28 says that a whisper separates close friends. Now, it can be difficult at times to discern whether or not we're gossiping by speaking about someone who is not present with us at that time. It's not always necessarily wrong to speak about someone who is not present. Sometimes it's, it's necessary and needed. But usually, I think, our consciences prick us, and we know when a conversation about a person takes that subtle turn and, and becomes a session where we're putting the person down or, or slandering them. Sometimes it's just better to be cautious and refrain from speaking further about a person or a situation, especially if you are lacking the information that gives you a full picture to apply godly wisdom. Once again, the instructions of Proverbs 18.13 ring true, that it's to our folly and to our shame if we give an answer before hearing the whole story. Well, here's something else that's that's true of our words at its very core, and that is our words are a reflection of what is in our hearts. Jesus speaks these words from Matthew 12. He says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Our words are an indicator of what's inside. However, there's a bit of a a caveat to that, and and that is that we can go to great lengths to deceive others with our words, you know, masking what is really in our hearts, covering up our true feelings about something. But ultimately, at the end of the day, our hearts will be found out. I think most times in the company of each other, Uh, but ultimately before God, for God is not deceived and our hearts will be exposed. By nature, we are fallen people. We're born into sin with hearts that are black and corrupt. It places us at enmity with God. It puts us on a one-way path to eternal condemnation and separation from God. So where do we turn? Is there hope for us? Well, Jesus told his disciples in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Belief in Jesus as the Savior and Lord of life brings us into that right relationship with God that leads to life. Belief in Jesus that he put on flesh, that he led a perfect life, that at not one point did he speak a a word of gossip, Or did he speak a word of anger? Or did he speak a word that hurt someone else? He lived perfectly in place of us. He went down the path of suffering and went to the cross. Belief in this Jesus, that he became the sacrifice for sin, for you and for me, 
on that cross, taking upon himself the wrath of God that we deserve. The fact is, the very first time that we spoke an ill word about someone when we were very young, that already put us short of God's standard. But belief in Jesus as Savior and Lord brings us into the loving arms of, of God the Father. And no longer is he a judge standing over you to condemn you, but he is a loving Father, never to forget you, never to stop loving you. That is his promise. And friends, we must always go back to Jesus. We never move on from Jesus. We must always go back to him, look to him, and be reminded that it's not how well or how poorly we live our lives, or it's not how well or how poorly we use our words that merits the grace and love of God. God's love is free, and it is rooted in Jesus Christ, in his life, in death, and resurrection. But God calls us to live in ways that do please him. And here's the amazing thing. The Holy Spirit is doing that work of sanctification in your life if you have put your belief and trust in Jesus. And he delights to do it. God delights to do this. He is doing that spiritual surgery on us and yet invites us to participate in that incredible work of transformation in our hearts. You know, we're not passive in this. Paul tells us to work out our salvation with fear and with trembling. Friends, being wise with our words, uh, it's, a, it's a lifelong skill, is it not? It doesn't happen overnight. There's no, uh, you know, three-step uh, program, nothing that we can purchase, you know, at 2 a.m. on uh, one of those, you know, channels to, to help us in that. Um, it's lifelong. And here's two things, I think, that we can do to cultivate wisdom, to cultivate being wise with our words. Uh, the first is to flock to those people in your life that you know are wise. Uh, you know, maybe there's one person that comes to your mind right away, uh, you know, when I say that. You know, listen to these people, learn from them, sit at their feet. Uh, this brought to mind uh, a dear man who uh, worshiped at uh, my previous church. Uh, he's soon, or uh, he's since gone on to, to be with the Lord. Uh, but he was just one of those people that anytime you talk to him, you just walked away going, wow. Uh, his wife, too, um, just dear people. And uh, intelligent man. I mean, he could talk about anything. You know, he loved baseball. He loved gardening. He could talk about the current affairs of, of the world. And there was nothing that he really spoke about that, that just didn't impact you. Uh, but it was his wisdom that really affected you. And I remember one conversation I had with him, and uh, kind of at the end of the conversation, you know, he says to me, he says, you know, Mark, the kingdom of God desperately needs young people to be active and to be willing to be used of by the Lord. Um, which begs the question, how old do you have to be to still be young? I don't know. But, um, I appreciated him saying that. And uh, the thing of it was, he, he was speaking to me directly. You know, he wasn't just talking in a general kind of way. He, he, he looked at me and, and he directed those words to me. And it just made such an impact on me and motivated me. So run to these people in your lives that are wise. Uh, the second is to take a kind of spiritual inventory by asking close friends or maybe family members to tell you honestly, how, how am I using my words? Now, this can be a, a painful kind of exercise uh, because we may hear those things that are difficult to hear. 
that we may not want to hear, but that God can use in powerful ways uh, to bring growth in our lives, to cultivate the wisdom of Jesus. Friends, our words matter. Uh, They carry enormous weight. They carry enormous influence. And we can do either great harm with our words, or we can use them as God intended for spreading wisdom and for building up each other, for building up the body of Christ. Uh, There's been kind of a a thread that's weaved its way throughout this look at, at wisdom in the Proverbs, and that is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 15.33 says, The fear of the Lord is instruction in wisdom, and humility comes before honor. You know, we don't, we don't just naturally have wisdom that's, that's kind of inside, and then we just have to tap into it to bring it out. Wisdom comes from above. It comes from God. But he delights to give it if we would just ask him. So let us ask the God. Let, let us ask God for wisdom. Let's pray.